Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Welcome along to this week's Rugby Pod. I'm your host, Andy Rowe, and as usual, I'm joined by Big Jim Hamilton and Andy Good. Coming up on the show, we check into the Scotland camp to speak to one of the men who came within a whisker of toppling the All Blacks. Um, and we'll also get into more on the Autumn Internationals. Uh, but first, thanks to our sponsor, Rugby Warfare. These guys are a rugby lifestyle clothing brand selling a range of products uh, from hoodies to t-shirts to joggers and now a women's range as well. And they currently have 40% off the entire store this week but they've gone even better uh, with a deal for the pod listeners if you use the code rugbypod at the checkout you'll receive 40% off your order and a limited edition two year anniversary golden t-shirt as well so head over to rugbywarfare.com forward slash store to shop they're back uh, we're recording this a day later than usual um, because we had our first live show of the season uh, outside of London last night how are you feeling boys? Bristol's I'm fucked <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, whoever said showbiz and taking this on the road was a good idea, you tell me that at six o'clock this morning when my eyeballs rang out my head. Did you do the night feed when you got home? Or? No. No, no. No, no doubt. Did you? No, the night nanny was there. Yeah, the night nanny, no doubt. Six o'clock this morning, though, absolutely ball bagged. Like, I was exhausted. Or smashed or exhausted? Well, I, I weren't smashed. It, how weird is this, right? Bristol was on a Monday night. Who drinks? Who chops pints on a Monday night? <laughs> oh, you do, Jim. Me. And me. Yeah. We're chopping and Andy pints. Rowe. Yeah. yeah, I chopped a pint last We're night. We're chopping pints on a Monday night. I think there's a problem there. Like midlife crisis. Lads, 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 Monday night in Bristol's. I just think we're doing it for the fans, mate. Yeah. People are offering this out. That big unit. I mean, he had bigger tits than me. It was, it was, quite, it was cool to be there. It was cool to take it on the road. And it was weird. I was walking down the streets and thought, I recognise this place. It's because I've been watching like the news and the CCTV of that Ben Stokes filling, yes. filling in two bin men. That's where the walkabout was. Oh, was yeah. it? Yeah, in Bristol's, yeah. yeah. So he's filled in two bin men in the street where we were. Mate, what's he thinking? He looks like the Shermanator. He does. But he had an amazing, not just aura, but his reputation was phenomenal in cricket. In 2020, in test matches, and then boom, 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 boom. Like Jim in the old days. Mm. He's filled in two bin men. All over Red Rover. Mate, it's the end of the road. Scrappy dabby That's all she wrote. How was the weekend, guys? You guys are both commentating. Again. Showbiz Jim. Exhausted. BT Sport doing me thing. Scotland, New Zealand. Who would have thought? Not Goody. Can we talk about... I need to talk about this, though. What's happened? So I listened back to Jim's commentary on... Towards the end of the Scotland-New Zealand game, there was the Gary Neville moment. Stuart Hogg makes the break. Everyone remember Gary Neville when I think it was Torres scored against Barcelona in the Champions League semi or something. Gary Neville was like, Torres, oh! <laughs> like he's absolutely wet why, his pants. Why would he be supporting Torres? Because it was Torres scoring. He wasn't supporting him. He was just comms. He was excited. A little bit like you when Stuart Hogg makes the break towards the end. You're like, Hogg, Jizz everywhere, was there? Was and it? then, oh no, he knocks it on. Why didn't he chip it? He should have kicked it through. He should have grubbed it through. Chipping goo. Wait, we'll ask Ali Price later when he comes on. Mate, I was just... Look, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect Scotland to be within a score with the last play of the game. Come on, who thought that? So commentating on the game, the excitement was building. It was like, right, well, New Zealand going to come back. 60 minutes, we see Sonny Bill go through. Signature offload, like the Jimmy Bill offload. The Jimmy Bill, what an offload that was. Out, out the back door. Well, to be fair, you get, Finn Russell gets a one-on-one tackle with him. They've been yeah. banging him all day. Alex Dunbar goes off. Peter Horn comes on, who's been brilliant. Horny, horny, horny. Um, horny, 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 horny. Um, so Horny, horny comes on, mm. and for the, I see what he's thinking. He's obviously he's thinking about the offload before it's even happened. 
one-on-one tackle with Finn Russell, me old Willie. Finn Russell goes low, makes a good tackle. Jimmy Bell out the back door. And that's... So you're, you're, blam- yeah. you're blaming it on Horny? No, no, I'm not. Sounded like I'm it. blaming it on the ref. I, He's I, just missed a sitter, isn't he? I just think that New Zealand get away with far too much. Perinara's on the ball. He's screaming, 21, get off the ball, 21, get off the ball. He ain't moving. Nine minutes later, he gives the penalty at the breakdown. He needs to get binned. They should have, should have had four in the bin, potentially five. Naholo. Naholo. <laughs> mate, Naholo wipes out Robert, yeah, the, but... Rob, Robert the Bruce's dad, Stuart Hogg. Mate, if he stays down... Yeah, but there was mitigating yeah. circumstances. Because the... Who, who was it that changed his Ali line? Price changed yeah. his line. But it doesn't matter. But it, it does like, matter. It doesn't. It does because under the letter not, of the law now... Not players' safety doesn't. If the, it does for if there are mitigating circumstances as to why it happened. And he changed his line. I think he got a little nudged in there as well. My God, he nearly killed him, that, didn't he? Oh, mate. Hoggy's mullet nearly fell off, mate. <laughs> but yeah, Kieran Reid slaps the ball out of uh, Gray's hand, doesn't he? He does. Um, which is definite yellow card. And actually, what annoys me about refs is we do use the TMO. Hang on. Knocks yeah. the ball out of his hand, so it's a knock-on. Yep. And then Jamie not... Batty picks the ball up and yeah. goes under the sticks. That's what I'm saying. Why didn't he just play? You could see he was going to score and dab it down. You know, like in league, right? And this is where league, I think, perhaps have, have it better than us in terms of TMOs sometimes. They play it out until the play ends, and then they go back and check various things. So all he should, all Matt Carley should have done there was let, what's his name? Joe Bloggs? Jamie Batty. Joe Bloggs. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> to be fair, he's the third choice, Lou said. Let Jamie Batty, Shabatty Chris, get the ball, score it. There was no one in front of him. Batty boy! <laughs> get Batty boy over the line, he scores, and then check for the knock-on. So hard. Because that was a try. Then you go TMO, the ref sees it on the big screen. All the Scots in the stand are going to go mad. Clear as day, he's going to see Kieran Reid slapping the ball out of Johnny Gray's hand. Yellow card. Batty boy night. has the best night he's ever had in his life. Uh, he's made then. He's made his career. Yeah. Night, night, no biscuit for New Zealand, that would have been. I know. Is that the one that got away for Scotland, or should we just give them credit for running the All Blacks close? That, that's like Scotland winning the World Cup, that. <laughs> closest they're ever going to come. I felt like we'd won. I felt See, like we genuinely teams that celebrate near defeats. Oh, you still lost. It, everyone's mean, like, everyone's coming at me on Twitter. But, uh, are you going to give them credit now? Blah, blah, yeah, but blah. it's I'm not. Like, yes, I am. Well played. They're Northerners. The, the thing, what I enjoyed most about it was the fact that no one expected them to win. Who would? You're, they're, they're down to their third choice front row, effectively. Okay, Richie Gray's injured. They they went through two back rows. Hamish Watson went off. Luke Hamilton made his debut. Goes off injured. Greg Laidlaw's not playing. Okay. Greg Laidlaw holds him back. They're glad he's injured. Okay, well, there you go. So good he goes on. Short Maitland. Duncan Taylor, arguably the best back in the team, is injured. Like, so. I mean, so many injuries, Jim. Is it true? Are you coming back? Gregor Townsend whispered to me and said, potentially for the Six Nations. There we go. So if I get my boots on, I can't see it. I've got a tear in my Achilles, but. If you get your. Find your boots, find your chest, find your arms. You'll be all right. This has come from the Michelin man there. <laughs> And before the game as well, an emotional start to a test match, if ever there was one. Yeah, we were speaking about it. Um, And again, we obviously like to joke a lot on here, but it was pretty emotional. I think for anyone watching, watching the game and, you know, the clips have been shared around social media for the people that maybe didn't watch the whole game. The Doddy Weir brought the ball out for the start of the game with his three young sons and, you know, it was difficult because I know BBC covered the game and there was commentary on that and I was doing BT Sport and... I had to say a few words and it was one of them where I was really nervous about what to say because, you know, ultimately, what do you say? You want to do him justice, his family, what he's done. And what I did say was that the game of rugby and sport is irrelevant to what he's he's going through. 
and everything that he's done is a lot bigger than the game of rugby and, and sport itself. And the courage, you know, me and Guru were chatting about it, the courage that he's got to talk about the disease that ultimately is going to kill him and for him to have the inner strength to talk about that and to be so open and tra- transparent about how he's feeling. You know, these fundraisers that he's doing is incredibly brave. And it's, you know, I've got full full respect for, for what he's doing and you know Goody talked about how the rugby community comes together mm. and, and you, you could see it there in that one and a half minutes of him walking on the pitch the way that the New Zealand players reacted you know Sonny Bill tweeting after it's not a big thing is it sending a tweet but he didn't have to do that he was on the other side of the world you know it, is it affecting Sonny Bill's life well clearly it is you know he's touching everyone and I think that I don't know I, it was it's yeah, amazing it was and what it does it epitomises everything that's great about rugby. And you put all your countries to one side, that you're Scottish, you're English, you're Irish, you're Kiwi, whatever. And you see the amount of respect that everyone shows Doddy Weir and how everyone was touched by it. But also off the back of it, the most impressive thing is the fact that the amount of money Doddy Weir is raising and awareness for motor neurone disease will benefit a lot of other people after Doddy's gone. And it's a real shame to, to say that, but he's doing a phenomenal, phenomenal amount of work under duress when some people would hide away from it and just enjoy as much of their life with their family as they could. He's making a huge difference to people's lives and, um, you know, he's a real warrior for doing it. And, um, you know, the whole rugby community generally pulls together on things like this. And it was amazing. It looked like an amazing atmosphere. Um, very emotional, not a dry eye in the house. Um, and it, the game did that justice as well. It didn't did. It? Well, didn't Scotland perform off the mm. back of that? Yeah. How much of an impact does that have when you have something like that happen when you're a player emotionally? How do you stay focused on a game after it's, that? It's huge, isn't it? I think you look yeah. at that Scotland performance and people that know Doddy particularly well and a lot of those Scottish players would know him because uh, he does a lot of work. He has done a lot of work in around the Scotland camp, hasn't he, in terms yeah. of corporately hosting events that they'd all been to with him. You saw the likes of Stuart Hogg, how emotional he was. No doubt it's given them a massive lift. And ultimately the respect paid by the Scottish players to Doddy Weir was the performance of their lives pretty much, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like I've, I've not seen a collective performance from Scotland like that in my life in terms of the way that the coaches have prepared the team the whole build-up the atmosphere at the stadium and the fact that they sustained that performance for 80 minutes against a team like the All Blacks who blow teams away in the last 20 so yeah it was it was an emotional day no doubt uh, Dottie will be wanting them to carry this on into the next uh, game. Do you guys fancy them against Australia now after what you saw against New Zealand or you know was that a one-off game one-off I- performance? I don't know. It's going to be difficult, isn't it? Because, again, you speak about it. Where Scotland do well in... I'm loving this. Look at us chatting about Scotland. Go on, Scotland. Freedom! Loving it. When you see Scotland win win big games like that, it comes to the detriment of losing players to injury. You know, the amount of games that we've seen Scotland win to when we've seen them beat South Africa, when they've beaten Australia in the past, what we normally see is a lot of injuries. The All Blacks, did anyone get injured in their team at the weekend? I've, I don't. I didn't see them. But you saw the Scotland players going down like flies, and you know ultimately the the, the, the challenge is to, to to be at that. They're going to have to be at that level to beat Australia, who are going to be fuming at the weekend. And we've we've just heard that Stephen Moore is going to be his last ever game of rugby, so they've got got an emotional incentive to send him off. And I'm just not sure whether Scotland are going to have the physical attributes. I don't think they're going to have the players. Uh, they need to go back to the well, don't they? They've got to go back again, and they're thin on the ground with their players. But 
they did it once against New Zealand. Why can't they do it one last time to close out the autumn? In Australia test? at the end of the season as well, it's been on the yeah. ground. Yeah, and also you look at it, and Scotland's record against Australia has been reasonably good. They're always pretty close games. You go back to summer tour, Scotland beat Australia over in Sydney. You go back to this game this time last year, I think it was something like 23-20 to Australia. And then the World Cup shambles when Scotland should have won. Should have, could have. Yeah, with a disgraceful refereeing decision. Um, listen, it's two teams that are emotionally at completely different in different spectrums, I suppose, off the back of last weekend's games. Scotland had their performance of their lives, just came short against the best team in the world. Australia, on the other hand, got destroyed by England. Scoreline didn't reflect the game, but it's the, ultimately Australia's heaviest ever defeat to England. Yeah, Michael Checker, Fuman, they'll be wanting to right a few wrongs. But Scotland's issue is being able to repeat the performance at that level. They've challenged the All Blacks now. That's the standard. By repeating that performance, they will beat Australia. How how did you assess Australia over the weekend against England? Gee, I thought they were bloody unlucky. They, it was a big scoreline. Yeah, it was. Ultimately, we get three tries in the last ten minutes um, to take it away from them. The big, you know, everyone's going to question some of the decisions. Everyone's going to question potential tries. Hooper, his try in the first half. Um, if you're a neutral, you're saying that's a try all day long because I think Kuandrani's put him back on side. Letter of the law, he's offside because he moves forward from the first kick. They're unlucky there. I thought Bill's yellow card should never have been a yellow card. Should have been a penalty only. Nowhere near the try line. It's you know there's it, he's actually made a half attempt to catch the ball. It's a penalty. It's not a yellow card. Hooper's yellow card was unlucky. Chris Robshaw could have had a yellow card. The biggest one for me was when the winger and I can never pronounce his name. Kurumbadi. Kurumbadi. There it is. Just call him Curry. Curry and Baji. So Chris Robshaw holds Kurumbadi up. I still think he got the ball down, but the referee's wording was, "I'm actually not bothered about whether he got the ball down or not because he was more interested in the crossing with Stephen Moore." And his words were. I'm happy that White Six got himself back onside. You watch the replay. Rob Shaw is about five yards offside, which could be from the break, could be yellow card, penalty try. And that's the game there in, the, in a nutshell. And then obviously Australia fall off the wagon. Uh, Curtly Bill has a little walk. Elliot Daly scores a try. You go to the high shot in terms of replays and the high shot that the TMO didn't show. To me, it looked like it touched the line, but hey, we beat the Aussies by our biggest ever score. So we're happy. Well, Ali Price, you probably would have uh, watched that game, wouldn't you? If uh, if you you playing them this weekend, what'd you make of it? Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting game. Um, I don't think conditions helped, but certainly England uh, England sort of pulled away with it the last ten minutes. It was pretty pretty close game up until then. Sorry, Ali. Um, just just listening to you now, were you playing at Twickenham or Murrayfield? You sound like you might be English, mate. What, where, <laughs> where, are you, where are you from? Uh, so I, I grew up in grew up in England. Yes, he's English. Uh, got Ooh. another got another Englishman. <laughs> uh, my mum's Scottish, so um, prove it. Yeah, you can check, you can check the the birth certificate. Um, so, so basically, what you're saying is you prefer your mum to your dad. No, nah, not at all. Well, your dad, I, uh, I presume by that your dad's English, is he? Uh, yeah, my dad's English. Therefore, you prefer um, your mum. It's, it's it's live on air now. Um, no, nah, basically, I, I always said I kind of. I always knew of my Scottish roots. Came to came to Scotland uh, in the school holidays all the time. And, oh, me uh, too, me too. <laughs> <laughs> what a place to go on holiday! It's cold, man. I know, I know, right? Just to just to see the family and catch up. And uh, I thought it was, uh, you know, I like to make my mum proud and really fortunate I've been able to do that. So. Amen to that, Ali. Uh, it's Jim, mate, as you can tell by the accent. Um, <laughs> mate, just go back, talk to me. We were just talking a little bit just before you came on about, for me, that's the most passionate you know, performance on and off the pitch I've ever seen you know, yeah. at, at, at Murrayfield. What, what was it like? I mean, that's the first time you've played the All Blacks. 
You, you, how many caps have you got now, Ali? Uh, I think that, that was my tenth on the so, weekend. So, 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 talk to me about the build-up, and you know, and a little bit about Doddy Weir, you know, you know, as players, and then running out in the dark. Yeah. I, I know what it's like, but it, it just looked, mate, it looked magical. From, yeah, from what I, I was mean, watching. Um, it was a, it was a different feel about the whole week, to be honest. Um, we obviously didn't play play as well as we could have against Samoa, and then the, the week leading up to it, um, you could tell there was obviously there's more media, all the rest of it around training, and you know, the, you, you try not to. You try not to focus too much on on who you're playing and focus on yourself, but it's hard to do that when you when you're against obviously the All Blacks. So yeah, there's a, there's, there's a lot of chat about them, and then yeah, coming into coming into the game, boys boys were nervous, but I think we were we were really focused. Um, you could tell that in the warm up. Um, I think with the light show and everything, the the crowd were in their seats uh, before we'd even gone gone in the tunnel. So um, it was a big occasion. Barks gave us our chat before we came out, um, and it was. Uh, yeah, you could tell he was emotional. He was pretty riled up. We were all we were all excited for it. Uh, we knew Doddy was going to come out beforehand, and our jerseys. We knew that we knew what was happening with all of that, which obviously added a bit something a bit extra to the game. I was kind of told Matt Taylor, the defence coach, uh, had a word with me beforehand, just about trying to bring that energy, which uh, which I, I was just I was just trying to encourage the crowd as much as I could. I mean, I, I love the buzz that they gave. It was it was unbelievable, to be honest. And yeah, obviously performance. We almost did it, and it was it was a shame at the end to come up just short. But it's definitely a night I'll never forget. I think a few boys have said that it's, it was one of those games that it, it's, it's going to remain in the memory for a long time. And I was going to say, so so on the pitch in hindsight, right? So everyone's talking about the situation with Kieran Reid knocking the ball out of Johnny's hand and potentially uh, Batty Boy m- m- making his life, making you know he never needs to play rugby <laughs> again. As, as, at any point of you guys, because right, if you look at Owen Farrell, for example, in the Australia game, he is screaming, rightly or wrongly, at the referee yeah. to look back. And I get it, you know, because Bar- John Barkley was going to the referee a few times to look, look at certain instances. In yeah. hindsight, do you wish someone would have just put their foot on the board and said that needs to be checked? Yeah, um, I guess in the in like, I, I thought Batty, I thought but it was through. I think I put my hands up in the air and then on my head. I, I hadn't, I didn't see what had happened at the time. Um, and I think it's tough. It's tough for refs, right? But um, you see, when you've already got a penalty advantage, and then if a, if a team infringes again, they tend to just go back to the original penalty instead of sort of replaying a playing a new advantage almost. And it, it was hard like, at the time in the game. Like I certainly didn't realise what he'd done. I don't even. I don't. I'm not sure if it came up on the big screen or not either. To be honest, um, no. so it was a tough one. I don't. I, I can't remember if it came up on the big screen or not. It was tough, but he deliberately cheated. Let's let's be honest. Kieran Reid should have been in the bin. But so let's let's park that. Obviously, it was Braveheart Scotland and all that stuff. I'm more intrigued in this new Scottish team over the last two years has gone through the roof in terms of performance. And my question is, is it because Jim isn't playing for Scotland anymore and he's retired? Because <laughs> God, he was holding you back, wasn't he? <laughs> Well, I can't comment on that. I wasn't around when uh, when Jim was trucking about. Um, I, I think it's a confidence thing more than anything, to be honest with you. Um, a lot of the team now are mid-20s. Like the boys like Finn, Johnny, those boys, they're all up now on like 20, 30 caps. And uh, I think like coming coming from Glasgow, it's like a winning environment. We've got a winning mentality. We like, you know, we go into games expecting to win. Um, and I think that that's kind of just transferred over. Um, Vern did a brilliant job. 
from what well, I was mm-hmm. I was involved for like the the latter bit of his his stint at Scotland. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, he did a he did a brilliant job in yep. in sort of getting the positivity back. You know, a bit of self belief. No, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> Um, Ali, so on that note, so obviously I had to kill a few rabbits to, to even uh, remotely be near the, the, the World Cup squad. Has Gregor yeah. had, had the boys massacring rabbits or not to make the team? Uh, there's been no furry animals uh, in camp, I can confirm. Yeah. Um, I bet there is, I bet there's a few bushes in the shower, isn't there? Mate, Ryan Wilson's got an unbelievable bush, mate. Did Vern Cotteri, did Vern Cotteri ever make you uh, do anything weird in pre-season? Really? Um, no, I managed to avoid doing anything weird. Um, I wasn't on. I wasn't on that trip away in France either. So I've only got the stories, and I've only got Jim's Jim's version of events. All so. true. All true, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ali. Hey, thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate it, and best of luck for this weekend against the Aussies, mate. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers, Cheers for that, mate. Cheers, mate, mate. Oh, I wanted to ask him if. Um, Jamie Batty's name is Batty Boy. Batty Boy. What, what a name! It is now, isn't it? Yeah. Batty, I tell you what, Batty Boy. I tell you what, with Ali Price, and I don't, I, you know, I have, and I know Jim, your mates with Laidlaw. I generally have said this: he, Scotland are a better team when he's at nine than Laidlaw. He looks like a Reese Webb. You know, with the way that he plays. Yeah. He's a really, really good player. He, I, I, he genuinely is. He is, and he's um, English. We found another one. Scottish. Another Englishman playing for Scotland. So now New Zealand moves on to uh, face Wales. How bad are they at the moment? Shocking. <sighs> Mate. Scrumgate. They've, they've imploded. So, yeah, we can chat about Scrumgate, which, again, is a really touchy mm. point, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, Georgia, who are, are monsters in the scrum, get a scrum in injury time. What, what was his name? The property went down? Oh, Thomas, Thomas, Fra- Thomas Francis, Francis goes, got yeah. simbin. Yeah. Is it Brown? Goes off with cramp. Or says he's got cramp, can't come back on. No, he, Smart, he, got, he got taken off tactically. Yeah. So, nothing wrong with him injury-wise. And then he's cramped up while he's on the bench just before he's meant to go back on. I mean, come on, Warren. Mm. But you would. You'd, you'd see why. You, but we, uh, you'd do the same if you were a coach. You, you know oh, mate, I mean? when I've gone off, I've gone off. There's no chance <laughs> I'm coming back on. Exactly, but but I, he's got history, Warren. He used to do it. Yeah, but you're not. But I know. Go back to our Leicester days. Right? Yeah. Our Leicester days against Wasps. Wasps always pulled out the old uncontested scrum card because yeah. Whitey was eating them for fun. In the scrum, uh, scrum time, and it worked for them. And you play to the letter of the law. All I'm going to say is, what goes around comes around. Warren Gatlin moaned like buggery. I when, don't know what the problem is when the French did it to them in the Six Nations, and it was the whole prop gate about Slimani coming back on and uh, Antonio or uh, Tony or a massive tighter prop for France. Toenail. Toenail will call him from now on going off, and he had a moan about it, didn't he? Hmm. Well, he's done the same thing pretty much by making it go to uncontested scrums. I guarantee Georgia would have pushed them till the cows come home. Penalty try, seven points, drawn game. And credit to Georgia. You look at it in two ways. Were Wales bad? Yes. They underperformed. Reese Priestland played quite well. They made 14 changes. But ultimately, tip your hat to Georgia. 13-6. It was a dour game. It was a horrendous game to watch. But Wales sort of went down to Georgia's level of, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, free-flowing rugby wasn't present. Georgia played to their strengths. And should have come away with a draw. Wales are a team that you can see teams developing. You can see Scotland developing. Obviously, England are on a decent run. Ireland are going exceptionally well at times under Joe Schmidt. What the hell are Wales doing? No idea. Is it just a personnel thing? Yeah, I, I think they need to change the coaches. I'm not saying that that's going to be all the answers. I mean, Scarlets are the only team that are performing week in, week out. I mean, clearly they won the, the, the Pro 12 last year. So, for me... It, it happens, doesn't it? it? It's the coaches need to move. They can't stay there forever. And I think everything that's happened with he's Gatlin, got to stay there. He's got to stay for his bonus. Well, there you go. So he's got to stay for his bonus, and he's brought out a book. I mean, 
you know, the player's going to be reading this book. Mate, don't get, he's been amazing, amazing for Wales, and he's been amazing for the Lions, Warren Gatlin has. But it just seems now that, what do they say in football? Ten years unsustainable, implausible. <laughs> I don't know, what did they Basically, say? Basically, fucking sacking. <laughs> <laughs> but this whole thing around Rob Howley and stuff, it just looks like they need to bring someone in. Someone like Stephen Jones, Scarlett, by seemingly he's an amazing coach. Fucking sack him. <laughs> what is it they say? What is it? Yeah. Is it proverb? I know. Proverb, <laughs> verb. Um, but so bring him in Easter beer. That's what I think. They just need to be freshened up. And the, the, the whole thing now about this this ruling of you need to have 60 caps, so they're going to lose Reese Webb, one of their best players. They bring Owen Williams in, who's at Gloucester, Ross Moriarty. So at the minute, yeah, Ross Moriarty might be there. They're going to lose three of their best players. Well, Owen Williams doesn't count because he signed the contract before to move to Gloucester before they brought the law in. Oh, is that? Okay. Yeah, so Moriarty, he's out of contract with Gloucester at the end of the season. So if he wants to play international rugby for Wales next year, he has to move back to a, a Welsh club now because he hasn't got 60 caps. But will it, what about Owen Williams? So Owen Williams signed the deal last year to move to Gloucester this year oh. before they brought the law in. And this is the thing with Reese Webb's one. The WRU are saying that Reese Webb knew about it. His agent knew about it. Reese Webb's agent, or Reese Webb said, I didn't know about it. I guarantee I've heard it on a very, from a very, very good source. Reese Webb knew that the law was coming in has tried to get away with it. You've got an amazing chance to go and play for Toulon. Wales aren't strong enough to say to someone like Reese Webb, they should make an ex- a special case for him and say, oh, listen, it was blurred lines. Play for Toulon, but you can still play for Wales. They can't afford to not have someone of his quality. Well, yeah, he, he will be playing for Wales. Mm. Like, for me, they're not going to... If that's what I didn't even know that, good. thank you very much. Dan Bigger's going to Northampton uh, next year, but he signed the contract way before the law came in. So, you know, it got announced months ago, didn't it, Dan Bigger? Yeah. Um, so that's the that's the that's the reason he can do that. It's when they come out the year they come out of contract. If they don't sign back in Wales, then they will not be allowed to play for Wales. Georgia, have they are they any closer to being in the Six Nations? Performances like that, they've pushed a top tier one nation close. And no, I, they'd, probably, they'd probably beat Italy. I'm a big believer in there should be a playoff between whoever finishes last uh, in the Six Nations and whoever finishes top of the B6 Nations, but you look at Georgia and everyone goes on about Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. They didn't win the B6 Nations last year. Romania did. Mm. Who? Uh, exactly. Ru? Romania. 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 Or Romania. Whichever way you want to say it. And they beat Fiji at the weekend. So, uh, not Fiji, sorry, Samoa. Samoa. Samoa at the weekend, didn't they? Yeah. So, yes, there's definitely a case for it. That, that gap between the tail end of the Six Nations, so normally Scotland and Italy, but now probably Wales and Italy, um, should be a playoff between them and the winners of the B6 Nations. I don't know why it's so difficult. 17-18, South Africa over France. Does that show how badly France are or South Africa aren't that bad and on the improve? France a pony, mate. Are they? Absolutely village. The thing with France is, and I look at it, and Jim said it a fair bit about certain French coaches, Fabien Gaultier. Mate, look how bad Toulon are. Right. He's coaching Toulon now with the back line of Fekitoa, Nonu, J.P. Peterson, Tuasova. Yubastero. Ashton. Worldies everywhere. Um, Guino Vez, their head coach, he is, I reckon he's a cowboy as well. And what the French, we've both played in France, and what the French tend to do as coaches is not impart much structure on a game, just rely on individual brilliance and then hope it works. Oh, joue, joue, play, 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 play. That's all they shout is play, 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 play. And you're like, well, holy shit balls, like, is there anything else? Well, I'm not here to not play. I'm, I'm trying my best. But we, they, you look at the French team, they look like 15 individuals playing rugby without a collective understanding of how they're trying to play. And yes, they've got brilliant players. They've got, you know, Baptiste Serran at, at nine. He came off the bench. Pick-em-all, quality player. 
Teddy Thomas on the wing, decent, good footwork. They've got some. They have got some quality in that team. They're just not coached. They just don't. Guinovez, his last few years at Toulouse, it was a massively underperforming team. Shambles. But you, you can't look, see how they're trying to play. But that's the thing. You look at all the other all the other teams. They're happy to bring a foreigner in, aren't they? Yeah. So they're happy happy to bring like you know, England are happy to to bring an Australia Australian in. Like quite controversial, really. England Australia huge battles, but they've gone out there to get the best coach. France don't do that. Do you know what I mean? Like you'd go all out to try and get like a quality quality. Maybe Vern. I, I literally I was, I, I don't mm. want to say it. Okay, but if you're talking solely on rugby, someone like Vern, look what he did for Scotland. So he's a good coach now, is he? Mate, he's a great coach. I didn't say that. a great that. bloke. So you're See endorsing Vern Cotter <laughs> for uh, the French national side? I think if you want French, French national team to evolve with the players that they've got and the athletes that they've got and the sheer size of numbers and of people that are playing in that country, then you need someone that can facilitate that. Fabien Gautier goes to Toulon with a, probably a vision to get, then go on and coach France, but... It's just, yeah, you know. I, I tell you what, the, for me, the Guy Noves example of. Is it Guy or Guy? Guy in French. Guy, spelt Guy, but Guy Noves. Guy Noves. Anyway, him being, him being made head coach or head honcho in charge of France, <coughs> the game moves on. You need young people in, in, involved. And, you know, as Jim said, think outside the box, France. Maybe me and you. I'm not coaching the French. Don't like them. I'll tell them only that. <laughs> True, actually. How much? Ireland 23-20 over Fiji. Does that expose that maybe Ireland doesn't have the depth that they thought they had? No. Fiji are good as well. You've got to remember. I love watching them play. Like, quality players. They beat Scotland. That's how good they are. They beat Scotland in the summer. Um, Just quality athletes. eh? But, I mean, Ireland had a lot of changes as well. You can't expect... Yeah, you can't expect that many changes uh, and then to go and perform. But ultimately, they won. Joe Smith loves his cats, loves his rugby. Simple as that. What did you guys make of the uh, Rugby World Cup decision for France? Oh, God. Um, I mean, just Corru- my- hey, I tell you what. Corrupt. Are you going to say corruption? Apparently, there's corruption. Go on. You told me. No, I didn't. You, you're you, you've got something to say, don't you? No, I was just that? saying that um, you have the whole voting system and the whole, you know, tier one nations get three votes, et cetera, et cetera. World Rugby, the World Rugby Council, whatever it was, came out and backed South Africa. What's the point? It looks like a shambles then. If World Rugby are going to say South Africa have the best pitch that they've put together in terms of hosting it and they've backed them, it doesn't matter. It makes them look a bit of a shambles because yeah. it all came down to voting. It all comes down to, again, money. And you look you look at different teams voting for different countries. No coincidence, New Zealand played France twice. And we all know New Zealand demand a massive fee to play in the Autumn Internationals, which is why England haven't played them for years. And France played them twice in the space of a week and lined their pockets and got their votes. Of course. Um, and who, who heads up were Augusto Pichot? Is that how you say his name? Augustin Pichot. Oh, my word. All I'm saying is... <laughs> Willie. Oh, it goes like the clappers. goes like the clappers, mate. Let's do some social media. Jenny Mitten, are you going to give the people the gift of a second live Christmas show? We need to. Out? It's gone wild, hasn't it? We sold out Cabbage Patch in about six minutes. Yeah. We're like international singers. Goody sang. Just in Belieber. Goody sang. Goody sang. Sang a bit of Take That last night. Yeah, and he told us another story as well. What's Well, a a tweet came in. I guess now it's time. You keep singing in the background. A tweet came in from Ed Jackson via a friend. I feel it's time. His name's Spider. Oh, Spider. Spider. Goody's nickname is Spider. Apparently when boys were walking past the changing room, he was bent over, spread eagle, nutsack on the floor, looked like a hot water bottle. (laughs) And the sphincter had been that veated that it looked like a spider. Cleanest thing you've ever seen. Is it true, Goody? Clean it? as a whistle. See, it was so late when I got back last night, I, I, I wanted to bend over in front of the mirror and actually see 
Because I don't think I've ever seen my my, sh- my bum hole. I don't think. You know, you talk like genuinely. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen my bum hole. I don't think. What I've, a statement yeah, from I Jim Hamilton. I don't think I've seen my bum hole. I don't you have think a look. I have, have you seen yours? No, I don't think I have. Have you, have, you, have you ever looked at the bottom of your feet? You should, guys. You should look at your bum holes. Well, I'm going to go home tonight. Have you got and Peter Piles? That's what I want to know. Well, I've, How do you know I, if you don't have a look? What do I do, I feel? Feel? when I've wiped my bum before, I've felt I've, I've had a pile. Yeah, I've had a, it was There's just grape. like one grape. There's grapes everywhere. And do you think this is weird? So a lot of people think this weird. Like, do you wipe your bum forward or back? Front to back. Yeah, but I mean, as in round the front or round the back. Like, how do you wipe your ass? You put your hand around the, the back. back. I don't. You fucking oh, mate. what? I shit on your bollocks, mate. No, no. You, there, there's a technique to it. So, <laughs> so you stay you okay. stay sitting down on the bog. Well, my shoulders are fucked. Yeah, I sit down and I pull the the wet tear bags across, <laughs> and I do this like rotational movement. Right. Like sometimes like you get your on bollocks your, aren't that Sometimes big, you mate. get it on your finger. No, I do like a rotational move. If you slip off the tissue, you're fucked. Like you know. Rotational movement. Yeah, just like Mate, with your hairy ass, there'll be shit everywhere. No, because it's not because I'm not wiping up or down. I'm wiping like around. around. Yeah. Obviously, there's a, a bump in the road sometimes with the pile, but <laughs> it'd be interested to know. Be interested to know how percentage of men what, that yeah, wipe forward. I'm or telling wipe you back. now. I'm telling you now. Surely the majority of men stick their hand around the back and just wipe it. I think you'll be surprised. I think the listeners out there who are commuting, they're like, I'm f- have a think about it. Let us know. Tweet Andy Good Ten, Jim Hamilton Four. Is it? Yeah, Jim Hamilton Four. Just the rugby just, pod. Just Andy tweet, Rowe online, yep. front or back. It doesn't mean whether you wipe front ways to back ways. It's whether you go around the front or you go around the back. Yes. Yeah. So front of the tunnel or back of the tunnel. Yeah, around the back. Thank you very much for your question, yeah, uh, Jenny Mitten. I hope it, hope that answered that one for you. Um, Jonathan Elcroft, uh, who's the weakest big ball carrier you've played with? Jim Hamilton. Really? Folded like a deck of cards any time there was no, contact. No, I anywhere. played smart. They used, they used to call Al Kellogg, the Scotland captain, uh, the pen knife. <laughs> used to go into contact and just flip that. I had this thing in my head that, right, taking contact, so if someone tackles you, quick ball. Hit the deck as quick as you can, grenade, quick ball, and it's gone. But you, you haven't got over the game line. Negative yards. Negative yards, yeah. Negative yards. Fast ball, but there's still 15 defenders on their feet, Jim lying on the floor. Uh, I'm trying to think of big ball carriers. I don't reckon Maratoji carries... If there is a weakness in his game, I don't reckon he carries... Mate, he's sitting people down for fun. He's not, mate. He's not an explosive Martin blocker. Johnson. Mate, do you remember when Jono broke through against Quinn, stepped Ryan O'Neill and went round the outside? Round the outside? No. Skinned him? No. Uh, oh, I do? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah. Mate, we've all done one of them. Have you? <laughs> mate, he won a great ball carrier, was he? Um, he was tough enough. The game's different now, though, isn't it? Oh, there you go. I'm just going back on the uh, Right now, who's a... Let's talk about... I'll tell you, I'll tell you the flip side of it. Someone who punches way above their weight, who isn't particularly big in size, but my God carries well, Jackson Ray. Yeah. I really rate Jackson Ray. He carries like he a looks similar. He looks similar to you with his shirt off. Does he? Genuinely hairy as fuck and a sack of spuds. So, uh, <laughs> mate, he's, he's strong though. But Calling the T-Rex. He'll have the, um, the undercarriage have been eaten tidy, veated everywhere. No, mate. Really? He's not like me the hairiest man. He's not like me well, okay. Aesthetically. I found out the new name as well for the, the substitute of Saris. Like, so you've had the mixed veg. Yep. The Shags. Yeah. Do you know what they're called now? Uh, the Driftwood. No. The Bin Juice. The Bin Juice. Oh. Yeah. So if you've not been picked, <laughs> the bin juice. You're, you're called the Bin Juice. What a name. Uh, Stellard73 has tweeted in, Flatman's coat. Seen anything worse? Question mark. Speaking of bin bags. Yeah. The puffer, uh, the puffer jacket. Yeah. Well, I've yeah. got, uh, yeah, I might tweet it later. So Jim and I did a few bits today, didn't we, Jim? Yeah. And you've gone for, you went for the homeless look, didn't you? <laughs> Burglar Bill, I've got a picture of Jim. I will tweet later. I've um, got an issue with fashion. I like his jacket. Yeah, you've got you've got an issue I, with I fashion. Just, I can't. Get you haven't got a fucking fit. clue about it, have you? I can't get clothes to fit. I'm, yeah, that's uh, true. Hopefully, someone's going to like hey, me that about, much. Here you go. 
future business. Set up a clothing line for lanky streaks of piss like yourself. <sighs> Called shit rags. <laughs> John Joe's tweeted in, uh, when Jim and Andy were at Leicester in their younger days, which one of them did better with women? Uh, I've had a girlfriend for a long time and married. Goody. (laughs) (laughs) It depends. Um, Like, what level are we we thinking? Are we 15, 20 pound or? What? (laughs) (laughs) You what? What? You've paid 15 to 20 pound. Who has? Who are you on about? Yeah, cheers for that. What was his name? Myself. Uh, John Joe. John Joe. We'll give it to Goody. Uh, just another little bit of news before we move on to the Premiership. Newcastle have announced they're playing at uh, St James's Park against oh, oh, the Saints. Great. Oh great! Big one, yep. Oh great! Yep. <laughs> oh, it's great. Do you know what? Jim's like, oh great. Oh, great. I'm joking. It is good though. In reality, to grow. Oh, great. Talking about growing the game. You know, for those Newcastle boys, St James's Park is a theatre of sport. It's a what? Theatre of sport. Okay. There's, it's a phenomenal yeah. stadium. And there's been some, you know, historically, some unbelievable games of football there. And everyone, the Scotland boys, did you not speak to the Scotland boys after they oh, played? They, they loved it, yeah. There you go. And you didn't get to experience it. But no, but my th- are they going to sell it out? No, I don't know. But obviously, they're going to get a lot more. You know, their, their gates this year, they sold out Leicester. Um, I think their sellout is about 10,000. <laughs> Mate, at Kingston there's Park. a big difference between 10,000 yeah, and but then maybe they're just 60? Yeah, I think so. So maybe they'll get 30, 40. Maybe it's good. Like, it's, like, I, I, it's like Northampton taking a game to... MK Dons. How bad in Northampton? Oh, garbage. <laughs> Lost to Worcester. I knew it. Let's ruin them again. I knew it. Uh, other news, though. Go on. Mike Phillips. There isn't many people that can do this. There isn't many people that can retire and then come out of retirement. Mike Phillips today has announced he's coming out of retirement. He's missed pre-season. It's nearly Christmas. He's coming out of retirement. He's signed for the Scarlets. That's he? Yeah. Scarlets, bud. Short-term deal. He's come out. He's flown straight to South Africa. Smart. Yeah. Why? Smart. He's wanting a holiday. Safari. Yeah. Spot Get his hand bitten off. Maybe there's an insurance claim in there. Yeah. Get the lion. Um, so yeah, Mike Phillips come out of retirement. Not many of us can do that, you know. Yeah, you know, talking about teams. first week, weekend, I was a bit flat on Sunday. I was a bit down. You know, we spoke about it, didn't we, a few weeks ago. We're transparent on this show. It was the first time after the game, commentating on the game, probably the emotion with the Scotland-New Zealand game that I missed it. Did you? Genuinely, yeah. I was, I was down on Sunday. Really? Yeah, here we go. Good <laughs> goody. He's like, you knew it was coming, didn't you? No, no yes. At some point, every rugby player that's retired will have a day or days where they genuinely miss that buzz of playing because you can't replicate it. And that's what I've said. I'm not saying you miss it every day of your life because we're doing all right, aren't we? Well, we are. It was like that. So, so for me, doing the commentary and then driving home on your own. Thinking like about th- the night feeds. Yeah, thinking about the night feeds and then thinking about the boys in Opal Lounge. <laughs> I was thinking, where do I want to be? Clacker everywhere. But it was. I, that was like, I saw you know the emotional build-up with everything went on. Like playing at Murrayfield was great. And I don't know. Like it looked, that was it looked it. awesome, that atmosphere. Didn't Mate, it? It were, genuinely, like banter aside, all right, old piss boring when I played, but the atmosphere up there was amazing. I often, you know, don't know the rules of rugby. They're going for the, the atmosphere. The piss! The pesh! But that's why there is an appetite for rugby in Scotland. Yeah. I love it. And also, now, I genuinely can't wait, and Jim and I are going to be up there for the Calcutta Cup game. I, okay. That's going to be yeah. England's toughest game, I reckon, genuinely. I'm loving if, this, good. If they get some of the players fit in the front five that can give them parity. Can we do a little bet? Yep. If Scotland beat England, yep. Shall we go out to Opal Lounge and you wear a kilt? Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. No and pants. It. Ball sack hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> and if England beat Scotland, you go out in an England shirt? No. Oh, come on, we Jimmy. Yeah. Something. Not an England shirt. In Edinburgh, I'm not the king, what so a, I can't be seen. I thought you said that. you are. Yeah, I am, but that's what I mean. The king can't be seen to be wearing an English uh, shirt. Okay. What about, we'll get you a 
England tattoo on your cheek. Not a tattoo, like a face paint. We'll, we'll think about what we can do. Yeah. I'll definitely go out in a kilt. Brilliant. Bollocks everywhere, mitts. You are right, Paul? <laughs> Andy, good. Let's take a look at the rumours. Anything floating around from you guys? Well, we called it on this lovely podcast, number one podcast in the world. Well, mm-hmm. definitely the number one rugby, rugby podcast. About Finn Russell. So it, it got leaked on Sunday that he was off to France. Still not been announced where uh, he's go- going. Yeah, Goody's, yeah. Goody's going to tell us, I think, the rumour of Wasps, the movement of tens. Mm. So Finn Russell to Racing Metro, Racing 92. Is that 100% confirmed? It's the rumour. He's talking, you know, he could have been the worldy 10 I was talking about. To go to Wasps? Could have been. You would not have spoke about a Scottish 10 uh, I think, in the way in I think Finn was... Russell's a great player. Good. He was one of the form 10s in the world last year until he choked against England. That's why he originally didn't get picked for the Lions. There's no way that he'll leave Glasgow Glasgow to go to Wasps. There's no way. You, what, to double his wages? Oh, I don't think he will. I don't think he will. Who knows? Who's it's, just, it's just a rumour Who's mill. going to Wasps? It's just a rumour mill. Brad Shields. Who? Exactly. Brad Shields. Never yep. heard of him. He is the Wellington Hurricanes skipper. Back row. He's joining after Super Rugby next year, I think. So does is that he... mean uh, Haskell's leaving? Well, Haskell's, who knows? He's coming you... over here to play for England as well. Yeah. He is. What do you English. mean he's coming over here to play for England? Well, who the hell does he think he is? His allegiance, Walking. he's making his allegiance known that he wants to play for England. So what? Well, it's like, you know, he, he couldn't, well, the All Blacks, I think, tried to pick him, did they? No, they didn't pick him. Oh, they didn't pick they him. Didn't so the All Blacks him. didn't pick him. So he stuck around hoping trying to get, get picked. It, yeah. Then he realised he wasn't good enough for the All Blacks, but there was interest from England. Very similar to a young man to my left who always waited for that call from England because he's English till he dies. Realised no, Scotland came a calling and made your career. Out I of was twenty two. So, you were twenty two, pal. How old's Brad Shields? Twenty five, twenty six. So yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> mate. Good luck to him. Just getting wind on here on social got media. Oh. Uh, Johnny Gray signed for Bristol. Bristol's really so. So he's signed. It's, it's a done deal. It's, well, there's a tweet. Either the rugby pod and Jim Hamilton have really cracked it with the rumor mill, or Johnny Gray is really off to Bristol. Well, so he said it's fifty-fifty now whether he's going. I saw you tweet something last night, actually, didn't I? Oh, here we go. So tweet roulette last night lost. <laughs> Goody's put a tweet. Rumor out. is it still out there in the no, world? No, I deleted it because oh, there was about dear. forty messages. Rumor that Marrow's signed for too long. The first million pound player. Mario told you signed for two long. That's what you told has me. He really? That's what you told me. Oh yeah, he has. Yeah, he signed. <laughs> we'll lose credibility, lads. Lose credibility. What was the one you said last week? Barkley, Harlequins. How good was that? A day later, Edinburgh. How good was that? So <laughs> talk about lose credibility. So, That's within your own Scotland no, no, team, no, mate. Because I've taken a bung there. So Barkley's <laughs> rang me and said, Jim, I need you to push through me Edinburgh deal. It ain't happening. I said, What do you mean? He's like, Well, they've stalled. I says, mate, I'm on the podcast tonight. I'll sort it out. John Barkley is talking to Edinburgh, uh, talking to Harlequins. Edinburgh on the phone. Mate, don't go to Harlequins. Here's an extra 10 grand. Boom. And what's your commission on the extra 10? Well, probably just half. There we go. Happy days. Luke McAllister uh, to Wasps. Be good to see him in the Prem. I'll rate him. Yeah, yes. Is he still good? Is he still? I watched him play for Toulon the other week at 10. Luke is a brilliant bloke. Luke is um, off to Toulon. He's a cheeky well, he's a, he's a mess of thighs on him. Is that Toulon? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lukey plays for Toulon. He's <laughs> a cheeky... That's actually, wasn't it? That was yeah, your that was it. That's what I said. Working um, real hard on our credibility here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's a brilliant player. He's not a 10. He's 12. I think he's a brilliant 12. But he gets picked at 10 and controlling the game, kicking game, etc. He's a ball-playing 12. I wonder um, if he's a front or back wiper. I think he's a Vita and around the back wiper. Oh, God. Yeah. 
Let's uh, finish off with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, if you are listening to this for the first time, it's where Andy Good tells us what's been good, what's been bad, and what's been ugly in rugby over the last week. Yes, and uh, lots of good this week. Uh, we're going to start off with England's result, our greatest ever victory over Australia. That was always nice. We'll give a tip of the hat to the Scots. They were nearly, they could have won it. The Scots could have been good this week. And I have given raps to Scottish rugby this year. People berating me on Twitter about me hating Scotland. I don't hate Scotland, I'm English. And I think they did very well. So they were good, but not they haven't won the good. And we go to Worcester. We've given Worcester plenty of bad this year, haven't we? They've won their first game. They beat the Saints 30 points to 15. Who called that? You did call that, Jim. Fair play to you. Um, and there's not many players that can rescue clubs. You know, someone, I believe, did it for Newcastle. They were bottom of the league. Signed a player. They end up staying up. Another team get relegated. The They'll do a movie on him one day. One day they will. Don't know if you... <laughs> Get your answers. I can't remember his name. Someone forward me his name, Foodie. his weight, Foodie. his value, and his wages. Um, but Francois Hugard is that important to Worcester. Every time he comes back from injury, comes back into the team, Worcester win some games. He saved them last year when they were looking like they were doomed against Bristol's. Hugard is back. He was pretty good. Worcester win, but they haven't won the good. For me, this weekend, it's not about rugby. It's all about the wider game and the spirit of everything and we talked about it earlier Doddy Weir is hero's reception at Murrayfield emotional scenes with him walking out there as his three sons that epitomises rugby for me so this week Doddy Weir and his battle um, and his raising awareness for motor neuron disease that is the good Doddy Weir well done mate the bad well where do we start Toulon and Jim's mate Fabian yeehaw Gautier they lost at home to Racing um, which was with a back line that they've got They've won 11 on the spin at home. Pretty bad. And they look like a team that just didn't have a clue. Saracens. Got to mention Saracens. They were bad in that oh, second half. Well, yeah. In that second half. Let me finish. Lost the game. In that second half, they were very... Oh, not Saracens, not Saracens. That second half, they were very anti-Saracens. They got flustered. Um, they can't cope without their big players. We're going to have to go back to the referees, though, for the bad this week. Ben O'Keefe. He, I thought he had a stinker of a Is his game. name O'Keefe or has he got big teeth? His name Ben O'Keefe and he's not got big teeth like Alex Grove. Me old teeth. Um, yeah, Ben O'Keefe, I thought his handling the England game was abysmal um, at times. Uh, but for me, it's got to go. The bad this week's got to go to Matt Carley for missing Kieran Reid slap down. In his defence, I missed that as well. So He's right there. As a referee, he's got to see those things. Game-changing decisions. Life-changing decisions. Life-changing decisions. Not game-changing, life-changing. For Batty Boy. Yeah. What's his name again? Jamie Batty Boy. <laughs> Could have been a hero. Uh, so the bad this week goes to... Actually, we'll give it both of them. Ben O'Keefe and Matt Carley, two bad refs. And then the ugly. Well, two bits for me, really. I didn't really enjoy... Owen Farrell berating referees, asking for mm-hmm. decisions and appealing. Because you go down the football route then, don't you? Yeah. You know, players start simulating things and chasing after referees. It's just not on. That doesn't paint a great picture to the wider public, to the kids playing the game, to people outside of the professional game. You know, shouting at a referee, throwing his hands in the air and everything like that. There's ways of doing it. We need a bit of decorum. That needs to be under control. That looked pretty ugly. But the most ugly thing this weekend was... Michael Checker, and I'm not saying he's ugly, he's not the best looking bloke, but I understand his frustration, but he used the words, fucking cheats. I don't know who he's implying it to, whether it was England players, the referee, we all know what happened with Dylan Hartley in the final a few years ago. Yeah, he said it to the referee, he's, doesn't he? Yes, he pretty much has, <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's hang him out to dry. I mean, we don't know categorically, we are just speculating. If you are a lip reader, he says, fucking cheats. Mate, just deny. Yeah. And just say you're saying funky cheats. 
Funky cheese. Yeah, just so you're saying funky cheese. Funky cheese. Funky cheese. So the ugly this week goes to Michael Checker and his language. All right. Well, that is uh, the Rugby Pod for another episode. Thank you very much for coming, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes and leave us a review. Uh, Thank you again to Guinness uh, for helping us out with the live shows. And then just for our listeners, just remind yourselves, tweet us back or front, however you wipe. Back or front. That's all we need to know. You're going to be surprised. Back. Pod, pod, pod. Front. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.